you know, maybe you were, you were watching that, and uh, some, some, a good crowd this morning, maybe you're watching that, you're thinking, oh, wow, that looked like us this morning. Anybody like that? You know, that maybe sounded like that's us. Some of you got a smile on your face there, you're trying to hide, oh, man, that's us right there, right? You know, maybe, maybe that sounded like the, uh, the conversation uh, on the, before you even got out of the house this morning, maybe that's what it was like, or, or maybe that's how it was in the car, you know, on the way here, that sort of thing. Maybe it wasn't even in a, in a conversation like that. Maybe that's just how you feel about the people that you came here with. You know? They're lazy. They can't get their act together. Don't look at them right now. That'd be really awkward. They're no good. You know, the problem is all with them, right? You know what I'm saying? You know, I bet, I bet if we, right now, and we're not going to do this for the sake of families, and we want you to stay together this morning, but uh, I'll bet if we went to every single uh, wife in the room right now and said, hey, tell me your husband's biggest problem. I bet that could happen pretty quick. All the ladies in the room who are married, I promise, they all just smiled really big. You thought you were going to get to do that, and for a second you loved our church more than anything else, right? You're like, this is awesome. We're going to get to do this, right? Because that'd just be real quick. You could just let it out there. Uh, my husbands, I bet if I went to you this morning and I said, hey, can you tell me your wife's biggest problem? Yes, you could, right? You could do that. May, uh, teenagers, when I went to teenagers in the room this morning, I said, hey, hey guys, why don't you tell me your parents' biggest problems? I bet you guys would do this. Everybody in the room, just everybody in the front uh, couple of rows just got really excited, yep. Parents are looking at him right now. You best shut up. Um, yep. Mm-hmm. Parents, I bet if I went to you and I said, hey, why don't you tell me your teenager's biggest problems? I bet you could do that, couldn't you? I, I, bet you, I bet you could rattle off a list of areas and things in their life that they need to start working on. I bet you could start naming some things where they need to change. Because it's really easy, isn't it? It's really easy to, to look at the people that we came here with this morning. It's really easy to look at the people maybe that you live with, people around you this morning, and you think, hey, you know what? If they would change, everything would be better. If, if they would change, if they would get their act together, then my life would be better. Well, today we are in part three of our series, Family Vacation. And today we're talking about how to change your family. So, so if that's where you're at right now, you're probably really excited. That person, you brought your husband here, your wife, your kids, and today they're going to get it. They've been needing this sermon for a long time. Uh, but just wait a second. Just wait on that for a second because I bet if I went to the same people you know, that we went to and said, hey, tell me your biggest problem, tell me the biggest area, tell me, tell me your husband's biggest problem, your wife, your kids, your parents' biggest problem. I bet if I went to you and I said, What's your biggest problem? Probably be a little harder to answer that one, wouldn't it? If I went to you and I said, I said, hey, what's the area in your life where you need to change the most? Answers probably wouldn't come as quick as they were a minute ago, would they? Because have you ever noticed this? Have you ever noticed that, that it's really easy to look at everybody else's problems and see where everybody else needs to change, but you miss your own problems. Have you ever noticed how easy that is to do that? I mean, we do, we do, this, stuff, we do this kind of thing in church all the time, right? Some of you are doing this right now. Maybe you've done this past couple of weeks or, or the entire time you've been at Summit. You're listening to a sermon. 
Somebody says something, maybe one of the bands says something, maybe we sing something. Something happens, and in your mind, you're looking around, you've scanned the crowd, you know who's here, you know who's not here, and somebody says something from the stage, and you think, well, I'm glad they're here, because they need that today. Mm-hmm, yep, that's right. You, and, and maybe you even look at them. Listen. Right, right? I'm glad they're, or, or, or you think this. Oh, man, so-and-so needs to be here right now. They need to hear this. You pull out your phone and text them, the preacher's preaching about you right now. You better come because you need to be here. Thinking about other people when the entire time God wants to speak to you. Thinking about how other people need to change, the problems in other people's lives when the entire time God wants to speak to you. Well, I've been really excited about today since we started this series because I'm convinced that today we are going to talk about something that I'm telling you, if you believe today, if you buy into what we are talking about today, it will revolutionize your life. I promise you that. I promise you that if you buy into what we are talking about today, it will take your relationship with God, it'll take your life to another level. But it's going to be a hard pill to swallow. It's going to be a hard pill to swallow. But this one thing, can change everything for you, all right? So if you're taking notes, you should write this down. If you're not taking notes, you should still write this down because I want you to get one thing today. I want you to understand one thing today, and here it is. I want you to understand today that your biggest problem is not outside of you. It's inside of you. Your biggest problem is not outside of you. That person, that situation, that circumstance. Your biggest problem is not outside of you. Your biggest problem is inside of you. It's inside of you. And so if you've got a Bible, here's what I want you to do. I want you to open up your Bible to the book of James. James chapter 4 is where we're at. James is a really tiny book. Uh, It's right after the book of Hebrews. And um, it's five chapters to the book of James. Uh, Turn there if you've got your own Bible. Uh, If you don't know where that is, listen, the table of contents is your friend right now. Never be ashamed of using the table of contents, all right? If you don't have one at all, there's the words. They're going to be up on the screen behind me. And hey, we we always say this every week. We've got free Bibles in the back. If you need one, maybe you've got a Bible you don't understand or whatever, those Bibles in the back when you leave to your left, absolutely free. You take one today, all right? James chapter 4 is where we're going to be today. And, and I think this is going to be a really significant day for you. And, and, and I, I want you just to feel the weight of it. Oh, wow, man, God is going to speak to me today. I, want, I hope that you've come prepared to hear from God that God is going to speak to you. And so I just want to help us out a little bit. Can we do something? Maybe we, we actually only done this once, and it was a long time ago when uh, we were really early on in Summit. Uh, but I want us to do something different we don't typically do. Uh, let's stand right now as we read the Bible. All right, let's stand right now as we read this. The reason we're standing is because God is speaking. See, God wrote the Bible, and so we stand just, oh, wow, this is different. God is speaking to me, man. I need, I need to listen to this, all right? So this is God talking to you as you read it on the screen or out of your copy of the Word of God, the Bible in front of you. This is what he said, James 4, 1 through 10. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you. Man, you should underline that or something. That's significant. You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. 
You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the Scripture says he yearns jealously over the Spirit that he's made to dwell in us, but he gives more grace? Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Hey, let's pray. Let's pray together. Father, I pray, God, that right now you would just speak to us. God, I thank you for the time of worship that we had. I just really see how you set this up this morning, where we're going and what we're going to do today. And so, Father, I pray that you would speak to us this morning, God, in a very clear way. God, I pray that you would enable every one of us to hear from you and to believe what you're saying. And, God, that we'd be different. Because I believe that when you speak, everything changes. And so, God, I pray that you'd give me the words to say. Help me. Thank you that I'm not up here on this stage alone. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. You can be seated. You can be seated. What's happening here? In James chapter 4, James chapter 4, James is a, James is a very practical book of the Bible. Um, if you're here and maybe you look at the Bible a lot of times and you say, man, I have no idea what that means. What in the world does that mean? Is that anybody in here? Man, that's me a lot of times. Man, I look at the Bible and I, what in the world does that mean? There's confusion, that sort of thing. Uh, well, actually, if that's where you're at, we've got a couple things for you. One is uh, the next series we're going to start. It starts in June. It's called 40 Days in the Word. And man, I'm telling you what, it's going to be a big thing in the life of our church. If you have a hard time with the Bible, if you want to know what the Bible means, if you want to know how to read it and have it make sense, we're starting a series called 40 Days in the Word, six weeks right here on Sunday mornings, and then in life groups. That's why Rick and Tim were talking about life groups. Man, you just need to jump into one of those. You can visit the next step booth or just uh, jump into one uh, somewhere tonight, and they're all through the week. You can get the schedule out front. Uh, but it's going to be a big deal. So if you look at the Bible a lot of times, you say, man, that doesn't make sense to me. Well, that series is going to help you. But also, if you look at the Bible and you think, man, I don't get what this means a lot of times, the book of James is a great place to start because James is extremely practical. It's, it's very easy to understand everything that James means in every single verse. And, and what he does, he covers all kinds of different topics in the book of James. He talks about all kinds of different things. And when you get to James chapter 4, what's happened here in James chapter 4, we don't know who these people are, we don't know what it's about, but there's a fight in the church that James is talking to. So believe it or not, people used to fight and get mad at each other in churches. Isn't that weird? That doesn't happen anymore. But uh, people used to fight and get mad at each other in church. Some of you are laughing. I don't know why you're laughing. Uh, but here's the fight in this church. And, and we, don't know, we don't know anything about the fight. We don't know what's going on with the fight. But here's what God inspires James to do. God doesn't tell James to pick a side. God doesn't say to James, hey, James, this person is right and they are wrong. He doesn't do that. God doesn't say to James, hey, James, you need to tell this person right over here. They need to straighten up and agree with this person because this person in the argument, they're right. God doesn't do that at all. God doesn't tell anybody to put on a jersey, to pick sides. Instead, what God does is God goes beneath the surface of the argument and he says, we saw it in verse 1, he says, listen, here's the reason that you're fighting. Here's the 
reason that you guys are about to tear each other's heads off and tear this church in two. He says it in verse 1. This is God. And he says, your passions are at war within you. He says, your passions are at war within you. The reason that you're fighting with this person is because there's something wrong inside of you. Now see, that's crazy because if you would have went to any of the people involved in this argument at this church and you would have asked them, hey, what's your biggest problem? You know who they would have said? The other person. No, they're my biggest problem. No, they're my biggest problem. And God comes to them and says, no, you're both wrong or you're all wrong. Your biggest problem is not outside of you. Your biggest problem is that there is a war inside of you. Listen, if you're taking notes, you should write this down. And this is true for everybody. This is true for me. This is true for everybody. I need to change. I need to change. See, because these people are looking at their circumstances in their life and they're saying, hey, my biggest problem is this person that I'm in this conflict with. Maybe that's where you're at today. Maybe you're here, maybe you're here and you think, my biggest problem is my spouse. My biggest problem it's my kids. I think my teenager is possessed by Satan. Right? My biggest problem is this situation. My biggest problem is this circumstance. And if that would change, then everything in my life would be great. And God says, no, 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 no. Your biggest problem is that there is a war inside of you. Your biggest problem is that there's a war inside of you that, that we need to change, that I need to change. And so you might be here today, and maybe the change that you need to make is you need to make the very first change. You need to give your life to Jesus Christ. You're here today, and you do not know what would happen to you if you were to die, and you stand before God. You don't know what would happen to you. You don't know if you have a relationship with Jesus, or maybe you know that you don't. And right now as I'm talking, the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. So right now, if you say, hey, you know what? I don't even have a relationship with Jesus. Then seriously, you should just stop listening to me right now and pray to God and say, God, forgive me for my sins. Jesus, come into my life. Save me and make me new. Because you need to make the very first change. You need to give your life to Jesus. But others of you here, Maybe you're here and you're a Christian. And if you're here, you're a Christian, you've been a Christian for a few weeks. Maybe you got saved at Summit. You've been a Christian for decades. The Bible says that there's a part of you, if you're a Christian, that's called the flesh. There's a part of you that's called the flesh. We actually did a whole sermon on it earlier this year. You can go to our website, summithazard.com, the series Know Your Enemy. There's an entire sermon on the flesh. But let me just unpack what the flesh is. The flesh is that part of you, if you're a Christian, that part of me as a Christian. Let me just use me, because some of you won't want to admit this is true. Let me just use me as an example. There is a part of me that does not want to obey God. There is a part of me that does not want to do what He says. There is a part of me that doesn't want to pray. There is a part of me that doesn't want to listen to him. And the Bible calls that the flesh. And if you're a Christian, it's in you. That, that part of you, the flesh, it is in you. I mean, there's a reason. If you've been a Christian for five minutes, you've experienced what I'm talking about. You've experienced that it's hard to do what God says. Is it not? Is it not? You can say yes. You can say amen. Or you can fake like you've got it all together and we'll just call you a liar. 
Christ Jesus, he forgives liars, right? Have you noticed this? It is hard to obey him. Or, or maybe, maybe this is just me. Maybe you will agree with this or not. I don't know. Have you ever noticed that Sunday morning is the hardest morning of the week to get up and to get everything going? Can I get a witness? Anybody? Anybody? It's because there is a part of you that does not want to come. Listen, listen. My kids, if my kids are going to vomit, it is going to be Sunday morning at 2 o'clock in the morning. Anybody else? It's going to be right. The alarm goes off. Have you noticed that when the alarm goes off on Sunday morning, all of a sudden, tons of excuses come for why you don't need to go. Going to church is suddenly an inconvenience. Why? It's because there's a part of you that does not want to be here. It's called the flesh. Jesus talked about this all the time. This was such a big deal when God showed this to me a couple of weeks ago, uh, a couple of years ago, actually. Uh, Take your Bible and turn to the book of Mark. Mark chapter 7. Turn to Mark chapter 7 with me. It's going to be up here on the screen as well. There it is. Mark chapter 7, verses 20 through 23. This is Jesus talking. And and look at what Jesus says here. Let's not try to spiritualize what he says. Let's just believe that what he says is true because he's Jesus. Okay? Mark 7, 20 through 23. Watch this. And he said, What comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from, what's the next word? It's behind me on the screen. From within. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. For some of you, that describes your entire weekend. All these things come from within, and they defile a person. Where did he say those things come from? Within. In me. In you. It it comes from within. And so what we like to do, and maybe this is what you've heard in church, this is what I've heard from a lot of churches. In fact, this is what I was taught early on, that that your biggest problem is outside of you. And so if you want to make everything okay, then all you need to do is isolate yourself from everything non-Christian. If you want to make everything all right, isolate yourselves from everything that's non-Christian. And so you begin to only listen to Christian music. You begin to only watch Christian movies. You begin to only watch Christian television. You begin to only wear Christian t-shirts. Instead of watching, uh, instead of watching WWE, you begin to watch Christian wrestling. Did you know there is such a thing as Christian wrestling? There really is. I have no idea. They beat the snot out of each other and then pray that God heals them. I have no idea... But I promise you there is Christian wrestling. One day we will stand before Jesus and he will say, whose idea was that? Okay? But but you watch Christian wrestling so you don't get contaminated by a bunch of unbelievers in underwear beating each other up. You watch Christians in underwear beating each other up. It's just holier. Right? And so what you begin to do is, oh, okay, and listen, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with Christian music, Christian uh, television, Christian movies, Christian t-shirts. Nothing wrong with Christian men in underwear beating each other up. Um, well, there he is. Um, but if, if you think so, we just need to talk. Um, don't think so, rather. Uh, but what we can begin to think is this. Okay, well, if I isolate myself from everything that's non-Christian and only surround myself with Christian things, then I'm okay. A lot of you bought that, but here's the problem. You can do all of that, and it's still Your biggest problem, you brought it with you today because you came here. It's in you. Your biggest enemy is not outside of you. Your biggest enemy is inside of you. 
And see, God just wants these people in James 4 to know this. And so what he's done is he's brought this, he's, he's let them enter into this conflict because he wants them to see, hey, this other person hasn't made you angry. They've just brought out what was already there. They've just brought out of you what was already there. And so what's happening, and this is what the Bible says, the Bible says in the book of Proverbs that our hearts are a wellspring of life. So it means that every word you've ever said and will ever say comes from your heart. Everything you've ever done and will ever do, it flows out of your heart. And all the things that we do in our lives, all the ways that we respond to everything around us, all the ways that we respond to our circumstances, it shows where our hearts really are. It shows the areas where we have a difficult time trusting God, believing that He's good. So listen, you can be at church all you want, and you can talk about that God is good. You can talk about that God's in control. You can talk about the fact that He's never done anything wrong to you. But have you ever been stuck in traffic and wish you had a tank? Five of you are honest, and the rest are just, oh my gosh, right? Have you ever been stuck in traffic? You've got places to go. You've got people to see. Traffic doesn't move at the rate you think it should, or it stops completely. And in that moment, if it was legal to blow everybody away, you would do it, right? My hand is up. I'm there. Praise the, the preacher. Pray for the preacher, right? Right? Come on. So there you are, you're driving. Man, i got places to go. I've got deadlines. I've got things to do. Don't, doesn't everybody know how important I am? And all of a sudden, traffic just slows down, and you are furious. You are gripping, doing this to the steering wheel. Right? What's go, doesn't everybody know what I've got to do? And God loves you so much. He wanted to remind you that he's God and you're not. He puts you in a traffic jam. Because there you are thinking, hey, this hangs on me. And God says, no, it doesn't. It hangs on me. So I'm just going to let you get into this traffic jam, freak out a little bit, just to show you areas where you have a difficult time trusting me. I'll give you another example from my life. Several years ago, several years ago, this was a long time ago, um, our daughter Cassidy, she's seven now. She was just born, she had, uh, just uh, a few months old. And uh, I got a letter in the mail from the IRS. Praise Jesus for our friends at the IRS, Right? If you have a bad day, nothing cheers you up like a letter from the IRS because they do awesome thank you cards. Just seeing how you're doing, love you. No, they don't. No, they don't. When you get a letter in the mail from the IRS, it's a bad day. It's a bad day. So I open it up, and here's what happened. Here's what happened. We got one digit, one digit of my daughter's Social Security number wrong, our tax form. And, we, and because of that one digit that was wrong, we were going to have to pay thousands of dollars because of that one wrong digit. I freaked out. But not outwardly. Like outwardly, I maintained control because I've learned how to fake it. I've been to church enough to know how to fake it. And so I'm looking at this letter and I'm like, mm, okay. but on the inside, I'm like, oh gosh! Right? Right? Like, like I'm convinced in that moment, like, like the, the, the world stopped turning and, and time stopped for a moment. You know, I just lost all control. I lost all And I started to think this, God, we, God what are we going to do? God, this is, a, this is a lot of money. God, what, how's this going to work out? God, what's going to happen here? So I was just freaking out and freaking out and freaking out. We made a phone call and explained it to them, and they said, oh, you don't know that anyway. It's fine. So I said, why'd you send that letter, lady, lady? Why? I'm just kidding. I didn't say that. I just said, oh, thank you. That sounds great. God bless you. So. <laughs> but, it, but, but after that was over, it was as if God said to me, hey, you know what? If you had to pay that, 
I'd still be good. Hey, you know what? If you had to pay that, I'd still be taking care of you. I just love you so much. I sent that letter from the IRS just to show you you don't trust me like you talk about on stage. Because God wants to change my heart. God wants to change your heart today. So if you're here and you don't know Jesus or you've known him for decades, listen, if you want your family to change, then you need to change. And the way that we change is God changes our hearts. That's why he says in James chapter 4, I love what he says. He says that God yearns jealously over the spirit that he's made to dwell in us. God yearns jealously over our hearts and he looks at our hearts and he says, Hey, you want to change in that area? You want to grow in that area? So do I. Let's do it. That's why it says in James chapter 4, we read it, He gives more grace. Some of you are here, you've been struggling with the same issue for years. It's destroying you, it's destroying relationships, and people have even started telling you, and you've started to think, I'm never going to change. This is never going to get better. But God gives more grace so that you are not stuck today. I don't care where you're at. I don't care what you're struggling with. You're not stuck. But the way to change is not to focus on behavior. I mean, have you ever said, have you ever, maybe you've done this, to, maybe you've said this, right? Maybe you've come to a place in your life, maybe you've been in a, ch- a church service that's real emotional, and God just really grips your heart about something, and you say, Jesus, I ain't never going to do that again. You ever done that? Maybe you even go up front at church, you go to the altar, and you're just crying and, and bawling. Jesus, help me. I ain't never going to do that again. I ain't never going to get angry. I'm always going to love people, be patient. Jesus, help me. I ain't never going to do it again. Praise the Lord. Right? And you leave the car and find out it followed you and got in the car with you. Right? Five minutes later, you're still doing that thing. Because focusing on behavior never changes anybody. The way that we change is as God changes our heart. So the question is, how can God change our hearts? James chapter 4, verse 8. Listen to what he says here in James chapter 4, verse 8. He says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. See, here's how you change. And the way that I'm going to explain this, what I'm about to say, maybe you're hearing this, oh, wow, Mark's going to tell me how I can really change. This is going to be a big day for me. What I'm about to say is not revolutionary. You already know what I'm about to say. Maybe you're new to church and you don't, but most of you, what I'm about to say You know this already. See, what God says to us in verse 8, draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands. He's telling us how to change. You want to change? Here's how you change. Faith and repentance. Faith and repentance. See, he says, draw near to God, and God will draw near to you. And what he means there is faith. It doesn't mean simply, yeah, I believe Jesus. Yeah, I believe what the Bible says. Let me try to explain it to you this way. Let me try to unpack it to you this way. Some of you, can't re- some of you maybe you can't relate to this, but a lot of you can. And I'm not one of those guys that says you've got to remember the day and time when you first met Jesus. I believe that God's word just clearly says if God's working in your life right now, that's the big thing. But if you're here and you can remember the very first time you met Jesus Christ, there's a lot of you here, you can remember when God saved you, Right? You can remember it. I remember when I was 18 years old. I didn't grow up in church. I was 18 years old. And I could take you to the church right now where the preacher was talking about Jesus. We were there on a weeknight. 
He was explaining to us the gospel and what Jesus had done so that we can be forgiven. I didn't grow up in church. I didn't even believe in God. But in that moment, I knew that everything he said was right. In that moment, I knew that what I needed more than anything else was Jesus. What I had been looking for my entire life was Jesus. I knew in that moment that if I drew near to him, if I went to him, he wouldn't reject me. He would accept me. And so when we talk about faith that God changes us, it means to look at him the way that you did when you first met him, to look at him and to see that he is what you need more than anything else. He is what you need more than all of the things that you can ever have, that what you need more than anything else is him. It's to see that everything you've ever looked for is in him. And then he says, cleanse your hands. means to repent. means to own it means to label it for what it is. Hey, God, I've been going to this and looking for that, looking in that for what I can only find in you. And God, that's a sin. God, I've been living for small things. God, I want to own it. I want to confess it. God, forgive me for it because what I'm trying to get out of this, I can only get in you. That's why I love what John read because over and over and over, if you read Jesus in the gospel, Jesus will say things like, if anybody's thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Because you'll never be thirsty again. Some of you, you're thirsty. And you keep going to broken cistern after broken cistern and to broken vessel after broken vessel. And really what you need to do is you need to go to the well of Jesus Christ because once you drink of Him, you'll see He's what you're looking for. So faith and repentance, it's Turning to Him and trusting Him and turning away from everything else. Let me give you some examples. In a crowd this big, let's be real honest. And I don't know anybody, I don't, I don't know a lot of you here today. I'm not following you. I don't have people stalking you. But in a crowd this big, there's somebody that's addicted to internet pornography. In a crowd this big, if statistics are true, there's somebody in the room at this moment who's addicted to internet pornography. And you know what I'm not going to do? I'm not going to stand on this stage and say, hey, won't you just quit? Because you know that's what you want to do. Because you see how, yeah, it may satisfy you for a season, but eventually it just leaves you guilty. You have to go to God. God, I'm sorry I did it again. It's destroying relationships. I don't have to stand up on this stage and say, hey, won't you just quit? Because you know you want to do that. Now, maybe there's some things that you need to do behavior-wise. You need to stop looking at those websites. You need to tell some people, hey, I, need to, I struggle with this. You might even need to go home today. Just chuck your computer out the window. Get rid of all temptation. But that's not going to help you deal with the source. So let me ask you a question if you're here today and that's you. Let me ask you a question. When you look at those images, what are you looking for? When you look at those images, what are you really looking for? Well, I'm lonely. I'm looking to be satisfied. I'm looking to be fulfilled. And let's be honest, it does that for a season, but eventually it just leaves you empty. Listen, that satisfaction and that fulfillment and that, that, that need that you're trying to fill with those images, you can only fill those with Jesus Christ. You can only fill those with Jesus Christ. And so what you do, what you do, I think this is helping somebody. Some of you are really keyed in right now. What you do, you don't do it one time. You do it 20 times a day, 50 times a day, 100 times a day. Every time you're tempted to look at those images, you say, Jesus, what I think I can get there, I can really only get it in you. Forgive me for even thinking that I can go to something so small as an image on a screen. Jesus, I was made for you, not pornography. 
And some of you, that's what you do over and over and over. Maybe it's not pornography. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's money. Oh, well, if we just had enough money, then we'd be okay. Really? Because rich people don't have any problems, do they? What if you had more money and it just brought more problems? Oh, well, Mark, Mark, listen, man. If, but if we just had a little bit more, then we'd be, we'd be secure. If we just had a little bit, little bit more, then I know that we'd have a future. Listen, in Jesus Christ, you are already secure. In Jesus Christ, you already have a future. Listen, if you lose it all and you make a series of bad investments after bad investment after bad investment and you lose it all, if you've got Jesus, you are rich. You have what the world could never take away from you because you've got Him. If you lose it all, you've got Him. Maybe you're here and you're single and you're at a place where you're just saying, I'm tired of waiting. I'm tired of waiting for that person. I'm tired of waiting. And so you're just going to settle. Or you're at a place where you're like, if, I, if that person would love me, if that person would accept me, if I could just have the, the affection of that person, then I would feel worth something. Then I would feel like I count. Then I would feel like I matter. Listen, in Jesus, you are already accepted by Him more than you could ever imagine. God can't love you any more than He loves you at this moment. Did you know that? You don't need to try to get him to love you more. In Jesus Christ, he loves you perfectly. So if the world rejects you, the one person whose opinion ultimately matters is absolutely for you. So what's happening there is faith and repentance. Looking at him, looking away. I could go on and on and on with examples. But here's what I want to say to us today. If you want your family to change, then it starts with you. If you want your family to change, then it starts with you. Because your biggest problem is that there is a war inside of you. So maybe you're here today and you're thinking, well, Mark, you don't know what I'm going home to. And that's right, I don't know what you're going home to. I don't know the horror stories that you're going to go home to today. And some of you are going home to horrible things. Horrible things. So you're thinking, Mark, what about them? What about them? What about them? Listen, God knows them. And one day they will answer to God for what they have done or are doing to you. Because I don't want, maybe there's a woman in here and you're in, a verb, you're, in a, you're in an abusive relationship, verbally abusive, physically abusive. I don't want you to hear today's sermon and then say, oh, well, Mark just told me to suck it up because I need to change. No, listen, listen. If that's where you're at, then you get out of that today. If that's where you're at, you get out of that today. And we'll help you do that. I mean, we got some guys at Summit that they met Jesus and God gave them the spiritual gift of crazy. You know what I'm saying? Like, they just eat that stuff up, baby. You get out of that Today, but they're not here, and you are, because he wanted to speak to you. And so maybe today God is just saying, hey, today for the very first time, label that for what it is, sin. You're, man, you're looking at this when you should be looking to him. Label it for what it is. Maybe for the first time, you just need to go to him and say, God, I need to change. But I've been taking my walk with you really casually. And I can see myself slowly drifting away, God. I need to change. Maybe some of you, you need to change for the very first time. You need to give your life to Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me right now? With every head bowed, with every eye closed, would you pray with me? God, I don't know, I don't know what you're saying to people, but I really believe that you're speaking to people. God, I can, I can see it on faces, God, that that I think, we're, I think we're touching something. I think we're going 
beneath the surface where we really need to go, where we're supposed to go, to the heart. Because that's where we'll change. I think that there are I think that there are families in the room and maybe they've been pointing the finger at each other. And yeah, there's issues that need to be worked out. But God, right now you want to speak to them. And so God, whatever you want to do in this moment, Jesus, people need to come to you for the very first time. God, as you're speaking to people about issues in their life they've never dealt with you about, God, I pray that you would move. With every head bowed and with every eye closed, I wonder if God spoke to you today. I wonder if God spoke to you today and you would say, Mark, God spoke to me today about an area of my life and Mark, I want to see real change in that area. God spoke to me about a certain area of my life and I really want to change in that area. If that's you, would you just raise your hand today so we can know and pray for you. Hands are going up right over here, all over. All over hands are going up. That's all we're going to do. not going to embarrass you. Would you just say, Mark, God is speaking to me, and I just want prayer about it. Hands are going up all up. God bless you. You can put those hands down. Listen, whatever he's telling you to do, you take those steps. You deal with him right now. He's dealing with you. Don't let this moment pass you by. Some of you are here, though, and you know that you need to make the very first change. You do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. If you died today, you don't know what would happen to you. Maybe you thought being good was good enough. And it's not. Going to church, you could try to earn God's grace and His love, but you can't. Jesus died so that you can have God's grace and His love. And the only way that you can be saved, and the only way that you can have a relationship with Jesus is if you go to Him right now where you're sitting, and you say, God, forgive me for all of my sins. Jesus, come into my life and save me. I want to live for you. And if you want to do that right now, then I'm going to pray a prayer. And I invite you to join me in praying this prayer. You just simply say, Dear Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sin. Come into my life and save me. I give my life to you. I want to live for you. I love you. In your name. With every head still bowed, with every eye closed, I want to know, did you just do that? Did you just ask Jesus to come into your life so that you can begin a relationship with Him? Or do you want to do that? I'm going to count to three, and as soon as I say three, you raise your hand to say, Mark, I just gave my life to Jesus, or I want to give my life to Jesus for the very first time in this moment. Nobody is looking around. One, two, three. Raise your hand right now. Anybody in the room would say, Mark, I want to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ. Anybody in this room. God, you are moving in this place. Father, I thank you for what you're doing. God, I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your love. And I thank you for your mercy. I thank you, God, that we can really change. It's not superficial and fake. It's real. So, God, as we leave today, don't let this leave us. Jesus, that we need you more than we've ever needed you. We need you. Father, we love you in your name. Amen. Church, let's thank God that today He has spoken to people, that people have made decisions, that I believe God started you on a path today. And here's what I want to ask you to do. You've got your connection card here. If you're a first-time guest, we've got a free gift for you. But we've got some greeters ready in the back to collect our connection cards. And listen, listen, here's what I want you to do. On the back of your connection card, I wanna, we want to know any decision that you've made today. 
If you made the decision to give your life to Jesus, check that box. If you want to get baptized, then check that box. All right? And when you leave in just a minute, there are volunteers right there ready with baskets. Just drop those cards into the offering plate. All right? We want to have a record of the decision that you've made today. Some of you, maybe you want to volunteer at Summit. Listen, we need a lot of volunteers. I'm not going to lie to you. We're, we're experiencing a ton of growth. God is doing some awesome stuff. We just need more volunteers. In Summit Kids, uh, in guest services, tech team, everything like that. So you check a box on the back, give it to one of our greeters. We'll be in contact with you. All right, now here's some things we're going to do. We're about to do something very different, all right? Uh, today is Baptism Sunday. If you are scheduled to get baptized, you're supposed to get baptized, uh, make your way out right now at the back, and you can go ahead and get ready because we're doing the baptisms today out front, all right? You walk out those front doors, you're going to see what we typically have set up here. It's sitting out there. So if you're supposed to be getting baptized today, please go ahead and step out. We've got greeters and everybody ready to help you. Go ahead and just make your way to the back, and we'll be there in just a moment. Here's what I want to ask everybody to do today, all right? We're wrapping up, but don't get in the car. Hurry up and leave, because we're going to baptize people out front, all right? I want you to stick around. When you walk out the front door, you'll see it. Let's support them. Let's get excited for them. Some of them are walking out right now. Can we just show that we support them right now? Hey, they're doing the right thing. There they go in the back. And listen, listen, you might be here and you've never been baptized. You know you've got a relationship with Jesus. You've never been baptized. Hey, you didn't bring any clothes. You weren't planning on doing it. Just do it. You're getting in the car leaving anyway. It ain't going to hurt nobody. Just do it. Just do it. Look, it'd be awesome, man. I'm going home. Go to the restaurant. I'm soaking wet because I just got baptized. It'd be awesome, all right? It'd be awesome. You just do that today, all right? But here's what, another thing we're doing. Say, so why are we doing it outside? Because tonight is Hazard High School's graduation, uh, and it's right here. And so here's what we need to do. Uh, we have to be somebody who made the perfect example of it last night. We need to be like a NASCAR pit crew and get everything from Summit down and everything else back up. We tore down everything they're doing for graduation. we got to set it back up. So here's what that means. We need some help. If you would stick around uh, for a few minutes and help us set everything back up in here, get ready for graduation, man, that would be excellent. If you can't, we completely understand, all right? But stick around for the baptism. It's going to be awesome. If you can help us set back up for graduation after that, it's going to be great. Listen, next week, we're closing out family vacation. Uh, part four, last one, is called Satan Hates Your Family. It's going to be an awesome morning. It's going to be great. It's going to be fun time. So you need to come and bring some people with you. Our band is going to play us out. I'm going to run in the back and put on some swimming trunks and go jump in the baptistry in the front. I'll see you guys in the front. Love you guys. God bless you. Oh, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Send them, do them on Facebook. Go ahead and announce that, that we need those. Yeah, put them on Facebook. Also, something for next week that we're putting together, we're going to put together a video of church, of our church family. So send in your individual pictures of your families together, smiling at the beach or wherever you are, uh, family photos. Send them, get them on Facebook. Mark's going to put a post on there. We're going to make a cool video. So everybody send pictures of your family. In the midst of the darkness, you're the light that guides me through. Our eyes are on you. You are near to the broken, the weak find their strength in you. Our eyes are on you. 
lost in the madness You're the peace that comes my soul Our eyes are on you You bring hope to the hopeless Your love, it won't let go Our eyes are on you We lift our eyes to you Where our hope comes from I hope is found in you Jesus, Lord of all to you, exalted one, exalted one. See you next Sunday. comes my soul our eyes are on you you bring hope to the hopeless your love it won't let go our eyes are on you we lift our eyes to you where our help comes from our love is found in you Jesus Lord of all we lift our eyes to you Exalted one, exalted one.